phone insight podcast 150 recording this on tuesday 18th of august 2015 it's the middle of the holidays but we do have uh, mr rafe blandford back after a bit of a stand-in last week yes and can i say what a fantastic uh, stand-in stephen queen was uh, i'm almost reluctant to come back on the podcast because i think everyone will be uh, booing but probably fair to say we've got very uh, different styles i really enjoyed listening to the uh, yorkshire accent on the way to work as i was uh, as walking in and hearing about your views on things like the Kazam phones and also Windows 10 Mobile. So I'm pretty sure, Steve, that we need to get the other Steve, uh, or the Stephen, I should say, back on as a guest periodically just to offer a slightly different point of view. Uh, absolutely. In fact, we are, since Stephen was on, people realised that there was a, a guest slot up for grabs. We've had several offers of, of contributions. So watch this space. But uh, any week you feel particularly tired and squawked out after a long day at work, then we do have a few other people. We just like to guest every now and then. Excellent. And well, maybe we'll have uh, a few uh, trio sessions. We always used to do that in the past. So we'll come back. But yes, uh, I was a combination of away on holiday and moving accommodation, moving to a new flat. And uh, so anyone who's been through that process, it takes uh, rather a lot of time and energy. So I just stepped away for a, a couple of weeks in middle of the summer holidays. But there's been loads going on in the Windows phone world. And I'm very glad to say that Steve has been keeping the site up to date with his usual panache and efficiency. Uh, lots to read through. And I have to admit, I haven't quite managed to read everything quite yet because I'm still uh, still unpacking boxes. And this uh, podcast is actually coming to you over 4G because I haven't yet got the full brand fully sorted out yet so hopefully the quality will be coming across okay but it's going to be the usual podcast as we go through some of the news get sidetracked into discussion points and i wrap it away endlessly so you know back to normal i guess steve yeah just a, a brief aside i was at a an honor a huawei honor event today it is away from all about windows phone.com i can't reveal what, we, what i played with but one of the interesting facets was that about an hour of the discussion in the middle of the morning completely veered away from android phones we were all talking about nokia and microsoft a windows phone in the middle of an android event so there's quite a lot of passion out there for people who remember nokia fondly who uh, think upon windows phone fondly and uh, even slightly optimistic about the future so it's fascinating uh, hearing people's opinions yeah, it's always good going to those kind of industry events because I think a lot of the people who are in mobile are in it because they passionately believe it's yeah. something interesting, but also the effect that it has on people's lives and the way it can be a real force for good. And it's easy to kind of get carried away by that, especially when you're talking to companies. And uh, I think more recently, we've seen more of that corporate social responsibility coming companies talking about it more. One of the reasons I always liked uh, Nock as a company early on with their Scandinavian roots, they were very big on that kind of that green thing. But also they, I think more than any other company set the vision that we see today in mobile. And if you look back into the past for things like, uh, you know, app stores and downloads and the, actually the concept of the multimedia computer. And I was reminded of this because actually recently I went to the Windows 10 uh, launch and this was for kind of desktop although mobile, of course, was getting a look in. And it was actually held in Billingsgate at the same venue that Nokia held their Go Play event. So it was rather poignant actually going back to the same place. And that's where the N95 8 gigabyte was talked about, where the uh, 5800 was kind of previewed on screen for about 10 seconds for the first time. And it's also where the kind of obvious strategy all kicked off. And we're going back, you know, it's certainly uh, seven or eight years, maybe maybe even longer. 
and yeah. very much the way that the mobile uh, is shaped today in terms of big ecosystems, services beyond kind of apps and that whole complete packaging, this idea that your phone became your personal digital device that did everything for you um, has certainly come home to roost, but the vision had been seen before. And I kind of, it's been brought home to me in the last week or so, because I haven't really been you know, outside of work touching uh, a computer. I've been doing everything through a mobile phone, far more so, you know, I think like most people, I'm probably a mix of the two with, you know, tablets and laptops and a desktop computer, but kind of, you know, mobile only uh, by dint of having to organize lots of things, being in different locations. And the power is just really quite incredible what you have in your hand. And regardless of whether you're using Windows Phone, uh, Android, BlackBerry, Barda, Symbian, whatever it happens to be, what that enables still still gives me a, kind of a thrill that still sends shivers down my spine. Uh, and so it's why I enjoy talking about mobile so much and why I enjoy working in the industry. So uh, I think it's the same for you, Steve. We've talked about this in the past. It's sort of nowhere is as fast moving and nowhere is quite as exciting. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I think it was 2008, that of, that event, where Nokia unveiled its platform strategy about four years ahead of the time. And, uh, of course, it, uh, because it was ahead of the time, it never really took off. But they, they had the idea. Um, just, to, just to say that if you got on that same subject, if you actually get talking to any people in, in the Android or iOS world, journalists, enthusiasts, bloggers, even in 2015, you say, well, what were you using back in 2006, 2007? I would say 90% of them talk glowingly about their their E70, Nokia E71, their Nokia N95. And see, once upon a time, the whole world did really use Symbian, Rafe. It absolutely did. I mean, it's it, easy to forget that, that, you know, it, it obviously didn't have the same volume as smartphones have today, but all the things that we kind of take for, for granted today were absolutely there, perhaps not in quite the same quality of experience. And actually, I think that's still a thing where smartphones have catching up to do for um, a lot of consumers, the experience that they provide is still a bit fiddly. It's still not easy to do things. And, you know, it's like computing in that sense. And actually computing in general is still guilty of that. Uh, and for me, something digital doesn't become good or better as in, in the mass market until whatever it's trying to replace, whatever thing that you're trying to do is better on that. And, you know, you can think of that as something as simple as maybe, you know, trying to buy something through a website. I'd argue now if you've got a optimized mobile site, you know, a responsive site, probably is easier on the mobile device and especially when things like apple pay and some of those biometric authentication companies that'll be even more true but there's certainly some things that i would you know, still go back to a desktop computer for or indeed not use digital for for at all so yeah i mean lo long memories in this and it's it's one of the fun things about events um as i said i, I ran into several people at the windows 10 launch who had been around in those days and you know Maybe it's a sign of us getting old, Steve, that we just turn into kind of grumpy old men and reminisce about the old days and, you know, sort of essentially say, don't know you're born, you kids, and et cetera, et cetera, and wave the walking sticks about. But um, I'm feeling old before my time at the moment. Yeah, every, everything's a sign that I'm getting old at the moment, Ray. But, uh, but you're still a young <laughs> slip of a thing, so you, sh you shouldn't be saying that. Um, just mo moving on with some news. Um, there hasn't been a great deal, but we did get a major new build of Windows 10 Mobile for all those people enthusiastically keeping up with the preview program. Build 10512. And it's it's a major improvement in many ways. There are a couple of um, rather big gotchas in that you can't use two-factor authentication. Oops, at least via text message. And also the, the uh, internet 
tethering is not working, which is another big oops, because a lot of people, including myself, tend to use that when out and about. But apart from those two temporary gotchas before the next uh, fixes, um, 105.2 is a lot smoother. And I would just point people towards a tutorial I did up on the site entitled How to Upgrade from Windows Phone 8.1 to Windows 10 Mobile. Now, I wrote it because I, an awful lot of people are getting awfully confused. They're not sure which builds they have to go through, and that's fair enough because you do have to go through an intermediate build, whether they need to reset, at what point they need to reset, how long should it take. They, they start the process and they give up after 35 minutes saying, oh, no, something must be wrong, and they go back and they use the flashing tool to go back to 8.1 and they dismiss Windows 10 Mobile. I wanted to set things out. Look, this, the realistic expectations, um, Rafe and anybody else listening to this, if you're going from Windows Phone 8.1 to the latest build of Windows 10 Mobile, there are a lot of reasons to do it to do it a lot of reasons to get excited about it a few gotchas as i've just mentioned but it will take time and uh, the quickest i've done it on a vanilla 8.1 device through to the latest build i think is about three and a half hours and I, now a lot of that time you can go off and make a cup of tea you can watch uh, eastenders or whatever but a lot of time will be spent watching progress bars uh, creep across screens and spinning gears and all the rest of it but it will take that much real time so I guess that's a realistic expectation, Rafe, and hopefully this tutorial, admittedly, there's an awful lot of steps there, but if people do follow it, one, two, three, four, five, all the way down, three and a half to four hours later, in theory, they should have a fully inside a previewed device. Absolutely, and um, actually, this is a great tutorial. If you get all the way down to step 24, you'll basically be uh, complete, but I think it's probably worth saying this build is getting to the point where I would expect more people who were maybe a little bit nervous about using it before or who you know didn't want to do it to their backup phone, I would still recommend it not be on your primary or your only phone. If you're the sort of person who wants to do it, you probably have already done it. If you're kind of in two minds about it, probably uh, you know stay away. But if you do want to have an experiment, this uh, tutorial that Steve's written actually gives you a lot more of the kind of the tips and the tricks and the talks about the caveats. Which if you go and read the inside the stuff elsewhere on the Microsoft site and and some of the community forums, you don't kind of understand all the things that you're going to have to do. And so this does give you a kind of nice bit of reassurance. And it's almost as if Steve is sitting with you over your shoulder saying, yes, don't worry about that and just have to wait for that. <laughs> I, I, I think the, the the big thing actually that people need to realize is if you're updating a phone that's got quite a lot of data on it, that will actually take a while because there's kind of the migration step. And people will be familiar from this if they've updated their phone before, that you can download the update relatively quickly, particularly if you're on a fast connection. And then certainly that can happen in the background. But what does take time is kind of that migration and kind of putting the update in place. And so that's the bit that takes the majority of those uh, three and a half hours and as you say, Steve, you, know, you can step away, but of course, the problem with that is you have to remember to step back occasionally to press <laughs> the next button. And so I actually managed to spend pretty much an entire day updating it because I went away and did something else, got distracted. Oh, yes, I was updating this phone, <laughs> um, especially when doing it kind of, uh, as you say, from 8.1. Uh, but yeah, in, in terms of the latest update, Steve, I haven't tried it out yet, so I'm curious, is it more stable than, because you know, it's actually been quite a while, it's a month since we had the last update, we're you know, probably only a month or two away from it being uh, you know, Windows 10 Mobile being available on the brand new flagship devices, we don't know the exact timing on that, but like to be September, October. So you know, do you feel it's closer to the finished article, with the exception and knowing that there are a few annoying caveats and bugs that always seem to creep into these uh, beta versions? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been covering some of the uh, applications, which of course aren't part of the firmware. That this whole um, diversifying of splitting the OS from the core applications is very, very useful because the core operating system, apart from the known gotchas with the lock screen and internet sharing, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, is actually basically there, and the interface is fairly responsive. Certainly on the Lumia 930 I've got here and the other X100 Snapdragon devices, it's been absolutely fine. Um, that these, of course. Having the store applications, things like Outlook Mail, calendars, even ca- even Camera is a store app these days. So all of these things can be updated later on, and I guess that extends the the frame of of development at Microsoft's end because the core OS they want to have that kernel and the main Windows 10 mobile OS finished in about a month's time. I'd say you know I all known bugs quashed, and then they can spend an extra few weeks and if necessary another month just all the fit and finish of all the extra applications and making sure the bugs in the applications are then quashed and that they all play nicely together. Put it all together, and I am actually lose, um, using the Lumia 930 with Windows 10 Mobile with Build 10512 as my main phone at this exact second with my main SIM. And on the whole, I, I think I'm pretty pleased. There are, there are a few gotchas, <laughs> again, to do with the application maps. I was trying to navigate with it uh, today. And, uh, for example, the, the, the pan, pan and uh, Pinch and zoom to pan around and zoom in and out on the maps. That doesn't work. It's unbelievable that that could have slipped through testing. But uh, it's, it's such an obvious bug that that will obviously be fixed. I've reported several stories about the way the camera, Windows 10 uh, um, mobile camera, is being developed. And it's very obvious now that by adding raw facility um, and uh, the, the ability to capture twin uh, t- twin resolutions, that they're basically subsuming all the functionality from the various Lumia camera variants all into one application, which would be common to all Windows Windows 10 mobile devices, uh, and then produ- presumably just producing the appropriate functions on the appropriate device. Um, so th- there's an awful lot going on, as you can probably tell from, from the site, and we're trying to put up several stories a day in terms of what we're noticing, what's different, how you can achieve various connecting. I was doing a tutorial for tomorrow morning, Rafe, on actually um, connecting contacts. I noticed that Mr. Rafe Blandford in my contact store and people was at, you were there two or three times. I thought, well, this is crazy. There's got to be a way to link them. And of course, there is in the Windows 10 mobile people. So look, watch the site for more tutorials. But I, I would say overall, it's about 80 to 90% there. And yeah, they've got about a month to fix the, the finish the, the core OS. And then they've got about another month to finish all the applications. And I think they, that could be enough. Yeah, I'm certainly looking forward to giving this uh, latest build a, a run for its money. And it is interesting. We've talked quite a bit in the past about how there will be updates separate to the kind of the platform through the apps. And we're seeing this very much on all versions of Windows. I updated uh, my laptop to Windows 10, the kind of the, the retail release, if you like. And it was very noticeable that a whole bunch of the apps also got updated, having kind of installed that update. And obviously it makes sense. The more you can break off the platform, the more you can kind of keep things current. And Microsoft has you know, said several times that kind of it's moving to a model of having the platform and the software almost as a, a subscription or as a service. And they will update it in place rather than have these monumental updates as we've you know, typically seen in the past, both in terms of mobile and of course on, on desktop as well. I mean, it does actually remind me of what happened when uh, Nokia first released its Lumia device with the Lumia 800, um, they actually promised a whole bunch of functionality that on the very first retail units wasn't there. But then we started seeing updates to things like mixed radio and some of the little apps that lived in settings as time went by. And then also they did it through firmware releases. Now, obviously, it's kind of evolved a little bit since then, uh, but it's great to see those updates. And, you know, camera is a particularly welcome one 
obviously it's a, a big topic for both of us. And we've been you know, somewhat wary of the fact that um, Lumia Camel is being retired. And we thought, well, it, it's very likely, and we've spoken to Microsoft about this, that it would have that functionality subsumed in. Um, I think the only thing to say that it may be kind of bad news for some of the older users, uh, simply because the updates aren't going to be available on 8.1. You will need to be on uh, Windows 10 mobile to get the latest version, or at least that's the assumption we're making so far. Um, and, you know, the, the good kind of case study of that is, if you like, is Office um, that's been made available on Windows 10 mobile. It's actually built using kind of the tools and the SDKs, if you will, from not the previous version of Windows, but it's that same kind of technology. There isn't anything in it that's particularly unique to Windows 10 mobile. So they could, in theory, my understanding is make it available for Windows Phone 8.1, but they've chosen <laughs> not to do that. And I yeah. think obviously that is about encouraging updates. And, you know, at the moment, you know, I've been using the uh, Insider Bill for a while and I've definitely still preferred using 8.1 on my 8.30. And I kind of said, I'm not going to update that because I need that as my kind of working device. So there's this sort of period for me, it's interesting, Steve, you've kind of already got past that, where it does need to be that almost acceptance of uh, Windows 10 Mobile. I accept some of this is actually about the kind of that familiarity principle. I'm not quite used to it. Um, but there are starting to be more and more things that make me think, hmm, yes, I do want that. And it's Office, it's Edge, it's some of the kind of um, I think the smoother handling of app updates and kind of this store which is starting to look really promising then of course all this uh, thing we've talked about across having the, the common apps and the common settings and the common data across both your uh, laptop your tablet and your uh, mobile device and having upgraded the uh, laptop I kind of am now a lot more keen to try and get Windows 10 yeah. mobile as my day-to-day -day driver. So I'll, I'll report back in a few weeks, maybe once things have uh, calmed down a bit. Um, I would just say, as usual, you know, check out the Microsoft post because that will give you the details of the things that are, are not working. And you know, I think you mentioned mobile hotspot and two-factor authentication as being the big ones. There's also still some um, apps that using background audio um, will, will crash. And you know, there are various fixes in some cases for this. And it's sort of talking about migration of data can be a bit problematic and uh, some apps won't update. That's all, all things you'd expect from the beta program. But I agree with you. It's looking very promising. Uh, I think you're probably right. The I would have thought actually they're now approaching the final period in terms of when they have to do the platform release um, to kind of the goal, the master edition, if you will, for it to go into the brand new devices. They'll probably have a bit more time to deal with all the devices that are going to get updated in place. And so I suspect there's still some work to do there. And of course, you've got all the app teams Working on it. And, you know, there's been various rumors floating around Microsoft putting more resources behind it now that Windows 10 on the desktop have launched. And of course, and there is now a lot more shared. I mean, it's not quite this, you know, one platform as Microsoft sort of talks about, but there are, of course, a lot more commonalities and a lot more shared code than there ever has been before. Um, and, you know, one of the things that really caught my attention on last week's podcast when you were talking to Stephen was, you know, describing Windows 10 Mobile is almost growing up and becoming more like a desktop OS. And yeah. in one sense, it sends kind of a, a warning out for me because that's what Windows Mobile, when it was originally called Windows Mobile, was kind of about the pocket PC. But I think we've come so far in terms of technology, both in terms of larger screens, the you know the better touch interaction, the speed and the performance, that it's actually really able to deliver that. And that comes with the idea that actually the desktop OS has adopted an awful lot of mobile conventions in terms of the UX, 
and the principles underlying how it's designed and set out and thought about. And so it isn't actually the problem that, you know, if you went back you know, 10 years and told someone that was going to happen, you know, they said, no, no, yeah, it has to have a different experience on mobile. And it does, as I say, repeat this idea that really computing is becoming about a continuum experience across all these devices. And so the idea that they sit in individual silos is, is, is largely breaking down. Um, of course, you will always use the right job for the right tool. And, you know, that means certain devices are going to work better in certain situations. But that ability to kind of have the consistency of experience, I think, is really important. And going back to what we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, I think that's one of the things that can potentially make uh, computing and digital in general more compelling and more appealing to people who might otherwise find it sort of a bit unnerving that there's all these different ways of working. Now, that does assume that everything runs smoothly and without flaw, and <laughs> that's a big, big assumption. But it, it is a very interesting one to think about. And what, what are the, some of the implications of when you start thinking through that? course it's, it's not going to apply to everyone and we have to it's the usual caveats but actually i'm not thinking just about uh, windows 10 mobile here i'm thinking more generally that as we now live what is essentially a mobile first world really mobile has come to dominate desktop in a way that i 10 years ago would never really have imagined i kind of thought it was going to go that way but like anything it's it, it when you actually see it happening when you, know, you see it with your own eyes that's when you, yeah. you get that full realization of the true impact that it, it's going to have. Um, and I think actually in, in some ways in the, the Western markets like the UK and the US, we're probably blinded by that because so many of us were brought up as kind of desktop or laptop or computing first. Um, uh, you go elsewhere and actually that kind of mobile first ethos is I think more established. And you can see that in some of the Asian markets, potentially Africa and South America as well. Um, and so in one sense, I think we're playing catch up, but because it's now those are the companies that, you know, develop it all Western based, it's actually going to have an impact beyond anything it has before, at least potentially. So, you know, very interesting discussion topic. I'm sure it's one we'll come back to. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually quite annoying because you would, some of the Windows 10 desktop applications, they come up because they're universal apps as if they're on mobile and you have to kind of relearn all the things you've learned about Windows, Windows 95, Windows Windows 98 up through Windows XP, Windows 7, and all of a sudden the, the UI is different because it's basically a universal app that has a very similar interface on mobile and desktop. So it can be annoying going on the desktop and working backwards, as it were. Um, I wanted to mention, Rafe, we talked about um, having to do a reset as part of the installation, the upgrade procedure from Windows um, Phone 8.1 up to Windows 10 Mobile. And I have to emphasize this over and over again. There is no way on on God's earth that you can go from A to B without at some point doing a reset. If you try and bring all of your data, all of your apps, all of your settings, all of your configuration files from one to the other, at some point you will come a cropper. That's Will with a capital W. As so many of the glitches I'm seeing in the comments, people think, well, I've tried it and this didn't work and that didn't work. In every single case, it's because they didn't do a reset at some point. Um, I, in my procedure, I, I chose to put the reset in about halfway through on the grounds that there would be, you wouldn't have to do the long migrating step with <laughs> unnecessarily. Um, but in, in truth, you could probably do a hard reset before you start the whole thing or indeed a hard reset at the end of the whole procedure and you'd have end up with the same state. At some point, you will have to then resync your data and reinstall your applications but I just, I just wanted to emphasize that there is no way you can actually keep everything at some point you've got to think about backups and and where your data are stored and which applications you had yeah i, I would say that depends on 
how complex your data in app install is i suspect you know the chance of it going smoothly if you've got less on it, it obviously increases um and honestly i think microsoft are potentially storing up trouble for themselves here because there is obviously an expectation that you can do the in-place updates that's well established um on previous updates and obviously with android and ios as well um but yeah, I, I can't really avoid that as a recommendation at the moment, certainly. It'll be interesting to see whether that improves at all as we move towards the kind of the final, the release versions. But you know, I suspect it could be quite a common refrain in the support forums and in social media when people actually get around to installing the kind of final version of these in-place updates, you know, up- updating their 920 or whatever it happens to be to Windows 10 mobile. I sort of hope it would improve, but um, in my heart of hearts, I think, this is such a major update that there there will be some glitches. And to be fair, the the same thing does happen on other other platforms. But I'm actually struggling to think of one that's quite such a fundamental update. Um, uh, you know, you maybe talk about the move from iOS seven to eight, for example. But that was really about um, the sort of style guide, the user interface, and the way that changed there. It wasn't quite so much in in terms of some of the internals. Um, and Microsoft has actually kind of underplayed what a big thing. Uh, Windows 10 Mobile is, in my view, and will that come back to bite them? Yeah, possibly, I have to see. I mean, I think perhaps Steve, you're being maybe a little bit overcautious because I think a lot of the people who've got a <laughs> Windows Phone device don't have it loaded down really, really heavily, or if they do, it's mainly with photos and music, and they don't have you know 20, 30, 40, 50 different apps on there. Um, but you're right; it's certainly one that um, keep a close eye on. Shall we say that? Um, I don't because yeah. I don't want to disagree with you here. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think you make a really important point. I think it's something that people should be aware of. But you know, just as we kind of represent you know, the, probably the top end of um, any smartphone users, and certainly in the Windows Phone world, I wonder whether you know seventy percent of people probably update and not notice anything. And if there is a glitch, they'll kind of just disregard it. Um, and that's of course assuming that uh, everyone updates, which of course, as we said in the previous yeah, podcast, yeah. you know. They won't, um, and so uh, I don't know. It, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see how big a, a problem this becomes. And actually, thinking back to previous updates, there were always people complaining they didn't get the update, or they did get the update and it broken something on their phone. Of course, you always hear when something goes wrong. You rarely hear when it all goes <laughs> goes perfectly, um, uh, as has been the case throughout the Insider program as well. To be fair, yeah, yeah. I, I just I'm not trying to be grumpy about this. I'm just <laughs> speaking from experience, and every every case. I've had to up, up to do a full reset, but I would point out that the backup system in Windows Phone 8.1, Update 1 and Update 2 is now pretty darn good. And I suspect what will happen is that when uh, Windows 10 Mobile does hit the, you know, the average user's Lumia 735 or whatever, um, there will be a screen which says that this should go smoothly. Most things should come across. If you experience problems, please see the support page. And that support page will basically say, look, assuming you've done the full backup and everything's been turned on, just do a hard reset and then sign in when you after the reset and most of your stuff, if not all of it, will come back intact. You'll only have to enter a few passwords again. So I think in the real world, it won't be the big show-stopping problem that I'm perhaps imagining. But at this stage, we're talking about enthusiasts with lots of apps, with lots of settings, with lots of expectations and, and an early stage of the OS. So I think at this stage, you definitely do need to do that reset. But as you say, hopefully in the long run, the end user won't have to. Yeah, it's a good point on that that backup in particular that, you know, you can get most of it back. And for a lot of people, if they were given a set of instructions that said to do that, they're, they're probably happy. I mean, you're always going to get some people complaining. 
Um, and certainly I've done that particular process and, and for me it's you know always worked well in the past. Yeah, and of course uh, on the desktop and laptops, both of us have gone from Windows um, 7 or Windows 8.1 up to Windows 10 um, and had absolutely zero problems. So it just shows Microsoft are testing and constantly testing how end users do up upgrade and update and hopefully by the time this is all rolls out. And let's face it, we're talking about probably two months after the flagship phones are available um, before most people in the real world get over-the-air updates. There is Microsoft has got a lot of time to do a lot of real-world testing before it actually releases official over-the-air upgrades. It's just that, as I keep emphasizing in these insider preview articles, if you sign up for the preview, it's absolutely mind-blowingly wonderful. You get access to all these wonderful new grown-up features, but at the same time, you really are living on, on the bleeding edge and you have to expect a few issues. Yeah, that does bear repeating, actually, because, I mean, this is the equivalent of when we were looking at something like the 920 with amber and black and cyan updates. You know, the devices would get announced, we would kind of anticipate them coming, and we'd see the new features on there, and then we'd have to wait four months for them to arrive on the existing devices. And this is obviously a much bigger update. And I remember in quite a few years we've had it, We've been waiting for the updates to write about them just before Christmas. Uh, and we're sort of going, oh, if they arrive before the 23rd, we'll write about them. Otherwise, we'll wait until after Boxing Day. And actually, the first updates were typically arriving on the sort of the 20th, 21st. And then most devices, you know, and it'd be like the US would get them first and then the UK would get them in the first week of January. I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a similar timeline. And as I say, you know, that would be four plus months away. Um, and so, you know, you're absolutely right to say there is plenty of time to do more testing. And I, I'm sure one of the things that Microsoft will do um, will be to collect a lot of data and watch how people are using it. And, you know, yeah. I'm sure that's partly what the Insider program has been about as well. Yeah, I think which has been itself a roaring success. I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying being on it. Yeah. Also, feeding back, I would encourage anyone out there using the program and finding issues and problems or having just ideas, um, go into the Windows Feedback app. It's, it takes all of 30 seconds to just submit a two-line idea or a suggestion or a problem report and whack it off to Microsoft. And then other people, if they then see that, and they well, that, that applies to me as well, they then upvote it. And Microsoft are constantly seeing the things that m- the most people are complaining about or wanting to happen. And these things actually do get implemented. So it's fascinating to have a real, real, almost real-time input on the development of an operating system that we use day to day. It's fascinating. Absolutely. I mean, it's always worth uh, submitting that feedback at this point. Yeah, it may not have an immediate impact, but Microsoft, you know, are listening to that sort of thing. And it's been noticeable that some of the things that have been complained about, they've actually talked about in blog posts and responded to uh, directly. And yeah. um, you know, yeah, it is quite amazing for, for those of us who've been around a long time where firmware updates you know you have to go to the service center to get them on an existing device and now you're actually seeing the next version of the platform which was you know never available before um and you know we used to maybe write about the odd leak of a device that came out and talk about some new software features but actually being able to try out the complete new version yeah it's easy to actually just sort of get a bit blase about it but um it's a, a helpful reminder that actually it's pretty fortunate um, and it's available on such a large range of devices. I mean, Apple has always been great about getting the latest version of iOS onto to iPhone, and, you know, iOS 9 is no exception. But actually, it's much easier to do it when you've just got a handful of devices. You look at the Android world where, you know, um, something like Android M got announced earlier in the summer, but actually it won't be available. Well, you can get some previews available now on a very limited set of devices, it will come on the kind of the new Nexus devices, similar time frame to actually the new uh, 
Windows 10 mobile devices. But then it's sort of actually only about this time this year, so kind of more than a year later, that um, Android 5 is starting to run on the majority of, of new devices. Now, I'm being a little bit harsh there on Android, but certainly the point I'm trying to make here is that you're getting access to it far, far earlier than you'd kind of expect. And I think Windows has more in common with Android in terms of being spread across a whole range of devices and different hardware configurations. And so, you know, I mean, Apple rightly gets praise for it, but arguably they have an easier job. So, you know, it's just a bit of a thumbs up for Microsoft for the hard work in implementing the Insider program. And I can only hope that they actually get, you know, the full benefits that they're hoping for from it. Yeah. Yeah. We mentioned a moment ago about uh, Windows 10 Mobile and the word grown up is one I a phrase grown up is one I used and you just quoted and just to just to emphasize a few of the reasons why I think it, it does make sense now for most people who are certainly power users on Windows Phone to think about upgrading and trying it at this build. Um, Outlook and Mail, Outlook Mail and Outlook Calendar are very much grown up applications. They are the same applications as on the desktop and uh, the range of functionality you can do in those PIM and email apps is now absolutely unrivaled. I would say they they rival the best on any platform. Um, the, the 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 maps, the Microsoft Maps. People may dismiss it as, oh, it's probably Bing Maps. And there's, I suspect, there's probably some Bing code in there. But on the whole, it it is rolling in the best of here Maps and here Drive, and it gives you more or less real time traffic traffic avoidance, traffic data, which is here Maps and here Drive certainly never really uh, came came to fruition that way on Windows Phone. Um, photos, um, you know, that in- integrates local storage and OneDrive, and basically gives you the same photo repository, whichever device you're signed into your Microsoft account on, which is very much mimics the way that iCloud happens on when Apple only does it better here on uh, Windows 10 Mobile. And also on, on Android, of course, Ray, if you'll be familiar with Google Photos, it's exactly the same idea. Whichever device, you, you, whether it's a tablet, a phone, or a desktop, you, there you are, you boot up the application, and there are all your photos, and they look, there's the same selection of photographs. They might be stored in the cloud, you might have to grab them for the mobile, but basically you've got access to everything everywhere, which I think makes a a lot of sense. Uh, Cortana's getting better by the week. Um, as Office Mobile, you've mentioned, then they're now the full desktop class apps in terms of editing. Uh, the Edge browser, which we haven't really talked much about, but that it, I, I've been using it on the desktop and on mobile, and it's certainly come come up trumps in terms of rendering sites, which Internet Explorer on Windows Phone 8.1 just dropped dropped down dead with and presented me with a white screen. So those are all major reasons why it's worth bearing a little of the pain of these early Insider Preview builds. And and I'm living with it day to day. And I have to say, I... It's very hard now to go back to 8.1. Part of that is that 8.1 is generally running on my budget phones here and also the 1020, of course, which is a bit of a special case. But uh, to get to use um, Windows 10 Mobile on a high-resolution 1080p display is a completely different experience to Windows Phone 8.1 on, say, a WVGA display. And I, I can't really under, underestimate that point uh, uh, or overstate that point enough. And, of course, the new devices that have been announced this year and beyond from here, they will be five inches screen sizes and 720p and above. So we, 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 when the platform is growing up. That's what I wanted to get across. Yeah, it, it, it is a good point. And you know, the Outlook and Internet Explorer, it, it's easy to forget those are the core applications that you will typically use more than anything else. And for some users, you know, they don't actually have that many third-party apps on the phone. I'm sure the cynics would say that's because there's not very many available for Windows Phone. But when I think about my usage, actually a lot of it is just in email and Internet Explorer and you know contacts and things like that and calendar. And those are the things that add most value for me. Um, you know, when I do use uh, an Android or iPhone device, I'm typically using more third-party applications 
but uh, you know, it's not that they're peripheral. And it's an interesting one about how you do the value judgment on that. Because I think a lot of people put big, big emphasis on though the third party apps. But it's interesting when you're getting kind of what you might call first party apps, the built in ones, they're very strong. Um, I've always sort of you know, listened to Android users in particular say, you know, we think the Android apps are, are very good. They're very strong and give me an advantage. I've been somewhat skeptical about that, but actually I, I'd probably have to switch my view and say I can start to understand that. And for me, a lot of it is the consistency across from a, a, a desktop device. And it is interesting, you know, Windows 10, if you're a Windows phone user, there's something quite familiar and comforting about it because some of the things, you know, something like the notification pane it is actually obviously coming across from uh, Windows phone. And just uh, one other kind of, addition to this you know you talked about the photo streaming yeah that, that is is great one of the things i also like is i mean i typically also have um, an ios and an android device on the go and i've installed something like um, a couple of apps from microsoft on there and so i have the consistency there the one that really does good things for me is onedrive and it is set to automatically upload photos captured with those devices into onedrive and of course they then appear in the photo stream both on my uh laptop and also on my windows phone device despite the fact they came from elsewhere and so because microsoft is in perhaps in this uh kind of less position it's in third position it's had to make itself available elsewhere there's actually an advantage for those of us who you know switch between multiple ecosystems have lots of different devices to actually use the microsoft services and you know you don't get kind of the the full experience you do using google or the apple equivalents and i'll be the first to say that um in certain cases and for certain things they're very very good indeed and there are a lot of people who swear by the photo experience with the uh, ios on photo stream and icloud or equal well for google photos but that does of course assume that you're using just the one device and trying to get google photos working on ios or on a windows device and it's a bit a bit of a pain and um, they do actually have the desktop uploader so you can sit there are ways to get around it. And obviously Apple is in one sense, much more of a wall garden. And so, you know, just actually as someone who's a bit of a geek with lots of different devices and using lots of platforms and ecosystems at the same time, Microsoft is actually doing me a lot of favors. And um, particularly from a work and productive point of view, Office is fantastic in that department. It really is uh, leading. Uh, and actually, you know, you look there, there has always been third party Office applications and, you know, Google has their ones and Apple has uh, Keynote and some of its other applications there. But really, they, they don't hold a candle to uh, the office. And it's not necessarily about the functionality. There's you know, familiarity and that's partly about it. It's really actually about the cross-device experience. And for those for those like me that you know might have an iPad and an Android device and they might dabble in a Windows phone and then they've also got you know uh, a Mac or they've got a Windows PC and mix and match between them. Yeah, that's important. I mean, that that's actually what makes my life easy day to day. You know, I can just pick up whatever device I'm using and start working on the the document that I've been on. Um, and of course, they're also open uh, Microsoft to things like Box and Dropbox, especially now they're being built in with Office support as well. So it doesn't necessarily have to be be OneDrive. But uh, yeah, so waxing lyrical a bit there. But um, I hope I'm getting my <laughs> point across. 
Yeah, we're probably guilty of waxing lyrical a bit too much on this podcast. But hey, if you can't be enthusiastic about Windows Phone and Windows 10 Mobile on the AAWP podcast, then where, where else can, can you? Be? Indeed. Exactly. Um, we've amazingly got to 40 minutes, even on a slow news week, Rafe. But I wanted to just mention very quickly, I did review the uh, Microsoft Universal Foldable Keyboard. And I, I don't know whether you had a chance to look at the review, Rafe. It's, it's a, a wonderfully crafted accessory that's vastly overpriced. I mean, maybe you can just look at the photos and bring them up on your screen. Uh, I don't know whether you've had a look at the price, but maybe you guess it if you don't know it. But it, I think it's such outlandish. Yes, I mean, I saw this uh, when it was launched at MWC, and they talked about the pricing, and I can remember going, yeah, that's, that's just not going to fly. And I think, as no. I recall, it was something like 80 euros. And now I understand the pricing come out in the UK is 99 pounds. And you know, <laughs> I could understand that you get a bit of a premium because no question, you know, it, it's been well put together. Uh, I think it does have its quirks and you touch on these on the review, particularly the way it splits down the middle, but it's yeah. one of the problem with any Bluetooth keyboard that, you know, you, you, you're designing in certain number of constraints and actually, yeah. honestly, I think they've done it pretty elegantly. And I really like the way that this is multi-platform, you know, like the rest of what Microsoft is doing, I guess they have to do it that way, yeah. but charging, you know, that much, you know, 60 pounds, I, I think would be a, a reasonable reasonable level. I could probably stomach another ten pounds on top of that, but you know that that's at kind of launch pricing. I think it, it comes down in time, especially when there are a lot of other Bluetooth keyboards out there, and uh, you know you can get a really cheap one, but you can certainly get a very good, you know, what I refer to as a premium one for around the forty fifty pound mark. And so you're going to be fighting hard on this. I mean, it's a bit similar situation actually to the USB portable battery chargers. Um, I've sort of been fortunate that I've picked up a couple of them um, at conferences and things like that. Uh, paying the full whack that Microsoft charges for them is kind of hard to do, although it's not such a big premium in this case. It's certainly not double what it is, it is here. So, you know, I, we probably shouldn't concentrate on this as the only thing in the review, but actually it kind of acts as a gate that's going to stop anyone picking it yeah. up. Um, there are some people won't care about price and will just get it anyway because it's the Microsoft accessory. But honestly, it, it's hard to justify a recommendation. I mean, as I say, it is nice having something that works well with Windows Phone and but that can also be used with uh, other platforms as well. But, you know, and yeah, the keyboard itself in terms of the, the keys, I think it works really nicely. Um, I mean, what, how, how much of a problem was the, the, the split in the keyboard for you? Because I suspect as someone who's more used to kind of uh, the traditional Bluetooth keyboards or indeed the full-size keyboard, that might upset you a bit. It did upset me a bit, and that's, that's why I personally wouldn't buy it for that reason. But there's, there's, there's more than that. My disappointment is not just about the price either, is the fact that if this had, keyboard had worked absolutely brilliantly with Windows Phone um, 8.1 Update 2, which has the Bluetooth support, and certainly with Windows and Mobile, if it had worked perfectly, all the multimedia keys, etc., I thought, well, you know, Fair enough. It's cross-platform. It works brilliantly with the platform. You know, maybe uh, it's, it's a premium accessory. Let's bump the price up a bit. But it it works perfectly on Android and probably worked perfectly on iPhone because I tested it. But it doesn't work. It's the, the one platform it doesn't work perfectly with is Windows 10 Mobile. Mm -hmm. The one it's, it's trying to we're trying to uh, shoehorn it into. So the fact that it doesn't work properly, it's got the split, is vastly overpriced. It's this most easy do not buy I've had all year. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't realise that the uh, the keys weren't working. Uh, I recall when I was uh, playing with it, I thought that did work, but um, obviously uh, I'm either misremembering or something's uh, missing in the update. So Microsoft sort that out because certainly something like the search key and the multimedia keys 
should absolutely work given that you know they're very standard on the on the on the system yeah they um, work home rafe the home and search work but it's the media controls like uh, volume and playback those are the ones that don't and i be- if i've understood my bluetooth profiles correctly there are specific profile and profile extensions to do with media control and my gut feel is that they just basically haven't coded that for windows 10 mobile yet so maybe that will come in an update before the os rolls out i think let's be let's be generous to microsoft <laughs> on that front yeah i think 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 you may be being a little bit too generous there but we'll have to wait and <laughs> in the meantime if you do want a, a portable bluetooth keyboard with microsoft on it actually you don't have a lot of choices in this department but there are plenty of other uh, either non-branded or made by other companies do you have any one that you'd sort of recommend over the others steve yeah i've been using one made by Inatech, which i think i reviewed on the site if not somebody drop me a line and i'll put a link through i'm certainly reviewed it somewhere um possibly for android as well but it's a, made by Inatech, i-n-a-t-e-c-k i think and it's a about 25 pounds or so it's all in all one piece but it's incredibly slimline incredibly uh, resilient and robust and waterproof and it works with everything including windows phone um windows 10 mobile sorry so yeah have a look at that one but if you just go onto amazon or ebay in fact and just type in bluetooth keyboard or bluetooth folding keyboard there are tons of options and i say the cheapest i found obviously cheap and nasty was seven pounds so seven pounds to a hundred pounds is quite a step up and uh, I, I was estimating i think microsoft can't they can't buy it from the chinese original um manufacturer of this, access, this accessory for much more than about 10 pound 15 pound which means that their markup is in the order of a thousand percent which is just insane it is. And the other thing about this, of course, is I actually think Bluetooth keyboards are much less necessary than they were sort of five, ten years ago. Now, that's partly about the increased screen size. Uh, and I accept there is still a, a case in if you're doing a lot of productivity work, if you're trying to edit Excel, especially now on Windows 10 Mobile with the kind of the full versions of Office that you get. But for the majority of people, the inconvenience or the, you know, the sacrifice you have to make in carrying around even a portable keyboard you know that's quite a big thing to have in your pocket or your bag you know versus you know the short type that you now get on the keyboard and the kind of the writing style that you can do it's actually possible to be very quick on a, a smartphone on the screen keyboard um, and you know unless you're doing very large amounts of data entry I, i'm not sure it's easy to justify kind of the inconvenience and leaving aside the price and that kind of thing, just remembering having to carry around the Bluetooth keyboard. I mean, is it something that you'd regularly use as an accessory unless you you know that you're going on a trip and you only want to take your smartphone as kind of your primary computing device and you know you're going to be doing a lot of writing, Steve? Well, I'll tell you exactly what happens. I go away on a trip and I take the Bluetooth keyboard with me and I have it in my briefcase. And I think that's no problem. When I'm on the train, when I'm on the bus, wherever, I'm going to get this keyboard out and I'm going to do some work. What actually happens is I get on the, <laughs> the journey and I think, oh, I think I'll just listen to some music. And you end up listening to some music, a few podcasts, playing a few games, catching up with Twitter, and you get to the other end of a journey. You haven't got the Bluetooth keyboard out once. <laughs> so it's, it's a great thing to have for emergencies and backup. Knowing that you could sit down and do some work. But let's face it, um, using a Bluetooth keyboard in a, in a crowded train is not the most pleasant experience, and unless you've really got the carriage to yourself. So. Yeah, I've, anyway. I've done, done much a similar thing, so I'll, I'll, I'll take it away. And in the end, you know, I actually had a, had a laptop in my bag, and I just end up using the phone to reply to emails because most of them are no more than 10 or 15 lines and even doing a little bit of document editing it's just quicker doing it all on the hand i don't have to think about anything else and maybe that's sort of the the change reality uh now that you, you can do that um and as i say uh, text entry onto phones now is much much better than it was when uh, 
my favorite Bluetooth keyboard of all, which is actually the Nokia SU8W, I believe it was. Yeah, I've got one, yeah. Incredibly elegant. I have one too. Um, you know, sadly, it's not really so compatible with the modern systems, but uh, that was a marvel of a piece of design. And actually, it was a very small portable thing as well that really, truly did fit in your pocket alongside your phone. The modern ones, you know, the ones that have what I'd call a decent traveling keys on them uh, tend to be a little bit bigger. Um, and it's probably about time that you insert a, a, something about the Cyan uh, 5 keyboard, which was kind of the ultimate small <laughs> size keyboard, but it's uh, probably getting a bit off track. People can Google Scion Series 5 if they want to, and they'll probably follow the links and end up back at one of my sites. <laughs> That's a sort of self-promotion. <laughs> um, now, normally when we do a, an all-about-Windows Insight podcast that goes on for a best part of an hour, you think, well, this is because we're planning to take next week off. Well, in this case, we're not. So we've had a, a l- lengthy podcast on a slow news week, Rafe, but we are planning to come back next week as well. So I'll say goodbye, and I'll leave it to you to say goodbye as well. Yes, we are indeed going to be back next week. Sort of normal services are starting to resume again. Um, and yes, it's only remains for me to say goodbye and be sure to tune in next week. Thanks everyone for listening.